difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. And you can stay over there. Stay. Cause this and we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on Last Call. Last Call, but the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join me here on location. He's working very hard. He's going to be fighting on Pacquiao versus Spence. It's going to be at T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, New York. He'll be taking on Julio Seja in a featherweight scrap. And while he's aiming for to make his own history and his own name, I give you one of the rising stars from the Philippines – I give you it's knockout sensation, Mark Maxayo. Uh, Mark, you, Julio Heja, you're jumping up to weight classes. Why this fight? Why was this a fight that you and your team decide, okay, we're going to take this fight and we're going to jump up and wait to face him? I mean, no, sir, first of all, uh, this, this fight is happening, uh, could, could be happening with, without uh, Sershan Gibbons. Um, this fight is going to uh, put me in the world title fight. In the next fight, so we pick Seha, so so that uh, our stepping stone to to fight in the world title fight, like like Julio Seha. He's a big puncher. I mean, we've, he, you look at his record, and some people pick it apart, but at the, at the end of the day, he is thirty-two and four. He has twenty-eight knockouts. Uh, how much of a risk is this for you in terms of this? Isn't like some soft feather-fisted guy. This is a guy who. He knocks people out a lot, and he's done that to quite a number of people. And you're taking him on all the way up in his weight class. Uh, what, what, what? Why are you so confident that you feel this is a good matchup for you? Um, uh, first of all, uh, he's a uh, one eighteen and one twenty two for his uh, for for his weight. He's good at that weight, and I proved him that I'm good in a uh, featherweight. So he moved up in featherweight. So I'm gonna prove that I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm I'm the best in the featherweight. What makes him so good? Because I'm guessing you and your team have broken him down. And from your you know, perspective, because you're a smart young fighter, what makes um, him such a damn effe- damn good fighter? Um, for me, I'm a tactical fighter and um, a good fighter. Uh, I'm uh, faster than him. We'll go back to this fight a bit. First, take me to this experience. You'll be fighting on the Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence card. Uh, Growing up in the Philippines, Manny Pacquiao was bigger almost than Muhammad Ali and LeBron James over here in the United States. What was that like for you when you get the call and they said, yeah, you're going to be fighting on the Pacquiao card on pay-per-view and you're fighting on Pacquiao's big title fight? I mean, for you, how much has this been like sort of a whirlwind dream of, wow, okay, I didn't um, see this coming? Um, for me, it's a dream come true to fight uh, with Senator Manny Pacquiao and he's been uh, idol. He's my idol since I was a kid, so it's a dream come true to me to fight in his card. You yourself have been doing this for a long time. I mean, you've been boxing since you were eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you turned professional after 200 amateur fights. You're a four-time amateur champion. Uh, what got you into boxing in the first place? Like, what made you fall in love with something which it's a brutal sport? I mean, you people get seriously hurt here. What makes you? What made you fall in love with it? You know, when you were such a young kid. Um, Manny Pacquiao uh, inspired me in that time, 2005. So that's why I start. I, I want. I said to myself, I want to be a boxer like him, and I follow his footstep. And now, now here he is. I'm. Uh, in, I'm his uh, undercard of 
coming fight. So it's a dream come true to fight uh, with a legend, right? So yeah, that's what it's all happened. What have you had to give up along the way, though? Because it's, as I said, it's a tough sport. You know, it's not like soccer or baseball or basketball where you get to play with your friends. You don't play boxing. And I'm guessing for you to get to this level, you've had to just literally give up a lot of things. Like, what are some of the things that most people take for granted that you've had to give up just to get to this point in your career? Um, we are so poor in the Philippines. So um, I tried to basketball and some, some other sports, but it fit to me in boxing because uh, boxing, I, it's easy when when I fight and when, in amateur, I I earn a money like a three three dollars four dollars, so I can buy a food for for the for my family. So it it's easy to fight in three rounds. Then I get a food for my family. So I try to continuing until until now. Two thousand twenty, you come over to the United States. You start fighting, yeah. Uh, you literally fight Roberto Hermosillo in the Microsoft Theater, Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Have a whole culture shock where, as you said, in the Philippines, it's very poor. There's not a lot of stuff going on. It's very humble. And here, you're fighting a place where people are walking around, even who are claiming they're poor. Oh, they have cell phones. Oh, they, they still drive a car. Oh, by the way, if you're going to movies and you're going, holy crap, I can get, you know, like chocolate every day of a week, pizza. What the hell is going on here? There's too much, too much. <laughs> yeah, so it's so different than Philippines and here. Here, as uh, everything is here, and uh, Philippines so so late. So, um, um, I just focusing my career for for uh, we stay here for uh, a year. So it helps a lot um, with Coach Freddy and the team that helped me to change my tactics in fighting. So I'm focusing here in. Uh, California, because all my contracts, all, all my team is here. So nobody there's anything that focused to the fight. Now, do you have do you have a vice, though? I mean, because every fighter I talk to, it's like, well, you know, I enjoy playing video games, or I enjoy going out to the movies, or, you know, I'll, a couple of times I'll go out and I'll have a nice dinner. I mean, for you, is there that vice for you? I mean, are you, you know, when you just want to have that day off or want to have that day where you can un- unwind? And living in Los Angeles, as you said, it's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. What is like the one thing you enjoy doing during your off days? You're like, okay, this is my nirvana. I don't care about boxing for one for one hour. I'm just gonna do this. Yeah. Um. For for uh, I'm training for Monday to Saturday. Then Sunday I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna go to the beach with my wife to relax to do something. It's it's my cheat day. So I eat everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then after that. Uh, after that night, uh, dinner, uh, it went, uh, together with my wife. And after that, I rest and focused again to come back training the Monday, sparring. And then the next week again, let's, uh, it's the same like that. Uh, everything, every day like that. Now, you're, you know, you've fought as, as low as, you know, 118 pounds. You're five foot six. How tough is that sometimes when, as you said, you have your cheat day? And you know what it's like in L.A.? But, you know, there's... There's food trucks all over the place, you know, whether it's yeah. Korean barbecue, whether it's a straight up barbecue, you got uh-huh. pizza, you know, tofu pizza. How tough is that? I was like, okay, I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to not, not get too crazy. I'm not going to get too wild. Next thing you know, you've had two pizzas, some Korean barbecue. You've <laughs> had, you know, some uh, 
frozen, you know, ice. Next thing you know, like, holy crap, I put on 20 pounds. How the hell that happened? Um, just my maintaining my weight. Um, if I'm not cheat day, I'm still disciplining my uh, food, but uh, it's no limit, but it's a different food. It's like a, a, in our Filipino food, or my, I'm craving a Filipino food, so I buy food. Then food for uh, Filipino food for good for one day. So and the back in the back in the Monday, our training is uh, on diet again. So Monday to Saturday. So that's on track with my wife. She's uh, cook for me every time. So it's good that I'm have I have a wife here. How tough has it been the last year and a half? When, as you said, you know you were. Every year you're fighting, you know, two, three times. Then COVID hit and it became a crawl. Like, and you fought now twice. As you said, Microsoft Theater, Los Angeles, California, Mohegan Sun Casino, Uncasville, mm-hmm. Connecticut. There's no fans. And I know yeah. that every fight is always used to it, but how weird was it when you're fighting, you know, Hermosil, you're fighting Pablo Cruz, and you can literally hear your corner. You can hear their corner, and it's like, holy crap, there's just silence. <laughs> this doesn't like this. Most fight, you know, most most fights. There's a crowd here. It was like, okay, I yeah. can hear my corner literally as if they're next to next to me. Uh, first time I fight with no crowd in you know, a fighting with Hermosillo here in LA downtown. Um, when I knock him down in uh, round nine, but it's it not count in the referee. There's no people shouting. There's no like that. It's like so so silence. So it's uh, I feel like new to me. So. Um, if it, I feel like I, I'm inspiring, so I need to adapt this in the next fight. So I adapt it in uh, the next fight in uh, Mohegan Sun with Pablo Cruz. Even I get knocked down the opponent in the, in the second round, uh, only I heard is my wife, Woo! like that. My wife is shouting. So that's the only one I heard. She's, uh, she's the only one who shouted that, that night. So, so this is all about uh, this. So silence, no, no, no more, sh- no shouting, no crowd, no so many people. So we need to adapt in that time. So I had a a great time with my coach and my uh, team for the for the in the bubble. So it was fun and uh, exciting fight again with the crowd. Once again, August twenty first, Las Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the big pay per view. It's Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Jordanus Ugas, Fabian Maidana for the WBA Super Welterweight title. It's Roberto Guerrero versus Victor Victor Ortiz. Uh You're on that card. And I've just listed, you know, everybody else, and it's, you know, Robert Guerrero, Victor Ortiz, their their former world champions. Jordanus Ugas, Uh world champions. Spence, Pacquiao, that's the biggest fight. You're you're on that card. I mean, is there a part? I mean, how do you not get starstruck when – they hold the press conferences, and all these guys that you looked up to, whether it was Guerrero, Ortiz, mm-hmm. Spence, Pacquiao. I mean, how tough is it, you know, being not starstruck and going, okay, this is pretty intimidating. It's awesome, but it's pretty intimidating. Um, it, this will happen. Um, I'm so glad that Sersan Gibbons put me in this uh, card, uh, pay-per-view. It's a dream come true that, uh, that I'm the one in the pay-per-view. So I'm gonna do my best, and and I'm gonna take picture of Spence and uh, all the other fighters because uh, they're a legend fighter. Also, uh, they're a best fighter in the world. So 
Oh, I already have a picture of Senator, so no more, no need to do that. So um, now uh, I'm ready to fight and I'm gonna show the world that I have a, I'm the best in my weight, my division. You said it before, before you're a smart fighter, you are patient, you know, you go in there. Well, he'll say how he likes to brawl. He wants yeah. to make he wants to make this into a wild firefight. That's what he wins usually a lot of his fights. He just likes to throw bombs, and mm -hmm. that's how he does it. He'll do a lot of maybe sometimes veteran tactics. He'll try to rough you up. He wants to make it emotional. How big is it for you to just stay calm? Don't get it. Don't get excited. Don't get riled up. Just follow yeah. the plan and just outbox him and not get drawn into a wild brawl. Coach Freddy touched me a lot of things uh, about of uh, about of my my opponent um, Felicia. He's a brawler fighter. He's a, he comes forward every time. So all I need is a stamina, a longer stamina, and uh, I'm gonna do what I gonna do to win the fight. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you, as I said, one of the rising young stars in uh, boxing. I give you all the way from. Boho, Philippines, now the United States. I give you it's Mark McSayo. Uh, Mark, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is a Twitter page, Instagram, your website? How can fans reach out to the, you know, the Magnifico? Um, guys, uh, for all the listeners today, um, follow my Instagram, Mark Magnifico Magsayo, my YouTube channel, Mark Magnifico Magsayo, my Facebook page, Mark Magnifico Magsayo. Chris, thank you so much for having me here for your interview. And I'm so glad that you interviewed me tonight. And to all Filipino fans out there, watch our fight of August 21st. This is going to be a historic fight and a classic fight, a Mexican versus Filipino. The players are on all my mark. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Maxayo, he'll be fighting once again. It's August 21st only on pay-per-view. Spence versus Pacquiao. We come back. We got Deanna Bennett and a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call, but the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on its last call. Last call for the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line. It's been here. Well, he's going to be hoping to make it two in a row. He'll be fighting Jose Do Lopez in an all-action fight. It's going to be February 5th. And, well, he has his eyes on – I'm call, I'm saying right now, he has his eyes on Keith Thurman versus Mario Barrios winner. He's already calling that shot right now. 
I give you once again with my beautiful co-host Koskak Shova. I give you the Hello. Hispanic cause and panic from Arizona. I give you Abel Ramos. Uh, Abel, you go from one action-packed fighter to another action-packed fighter. It's, but they seem to think that you like these action-packed fighters. Is, is it true? I mean, is this the kind of fight you're looking forward to going, okay, this is going to be pretty fun? Yeah, of course, man. Um, it always gives me that motivation, you know, to know that um, going again, going against the action-packed fighters is just gives me that extra motivation to train harder and give the fans a, a good show. Also more exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, more exciting, more exciting. Everything just, everything just more exciting, more motivating. So how do you train for that then knowing that they're more action-packed? Because it's a little bit different than going up against... Three cut off. Like, how do you prepare for a fight like this where it's just, you know it's going to be a war. He's coming... Because we know Josito Lopez. He never met a fight he didn't like. And every fight he takes on, whether it's Thurman, Berto, uh, even guys like you know, Alvarez, he will come down, he'll just, you know, throw punches till you know, until they say stop. So how do you prepare for a guy like that who just he comes to fight and he is he's not gonna back down one second? Yeah, man. First of all, your conditioning, your your physical training has to be at a hundred percent, you know, because like you said, man, he's an action-packed fighter. So, you know, he's always going to bring it. He's always going to be in in your face, you know. So, first of all, you got to make sure that you're physical. You're physically ready for that, to do it 10 rounds, 12 rounds, whatever the fight is going to be. And um, and secondly, mentally, man, mentally to mentally prepare to, to prepare yourself for a war pretty much, you know, just – Keep reminding yourself that it's going to be a tough fight. In absolutely, how do you keep up with that war in your mind? You're going. I mean, those are a lot of rounds. So, how do you mentally prepare to go all those rounds? Yeah, it's just you no know, every day training in the gym and waking up every day. And like I said, this this type of fights motivate me every day to get up and and go to work. So I think um that's that's pretty much what you need to to be hundred percent ready for the fight. So for those fans that don't know you, how did you even get into this? Like, how did this become your passion? Because you can hear in your voice that you're like, yeah, I like doing this. This is what yeah. I'm here for. My brothers, my, my older brothers used to box and um, we used to watch them when we were little and my whole family was just huge boxing fans. You know, every fight, every pay-per-view fight we would have at the house. And um, we would get together and afterwards, you know, me and my brothers would, you know go for sparring sessions you know just in the living room or somewhere you know we just love the sport and that's that's how we got into it it's kind of like when people used to have viewing parties for sex in the city your family and you have viewing parties for boxing matches <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i think that's how it should be bringing it back yeah bringing so it wait, back at um, the same time did you actually have sparring matches while you're watching the boxing game like oh i'm gonna try to pull that off let's see if we can do that like right after right after the the fights like me and my brothers would go for the gloves and just right there in the you know living room just playing around and stuff like that but so who um, did you look that's up how I started. To growing up um, who is your role model i used to boxing? i used to love watching uh chavez julio Cesar chavez fight oh um, he was a huge idol for, for our family, and one of my favorites was Oscar de la Hoya, too. I used to love watching him fight. 
yeah, we like Oscar de la Hoya. Yeah, so there were a lot of fighters that I looked looked up to, but um, Chavez and de la Hoya were the ones um, I watched the most. Speaking of viewing parts, I got to ask this because you and I haven't talked in a bit, uh, Abel. How tough was it last year for you when, yeah, you beat Omar Figueroa, and then you said on August 21st, you probably were watching or Dennis Ugas beat Manny Pacquiao. I'm guessing in the back of your mind, you're like, you were going, that should have been me. That should have been me beating Manny Pacquiao. I get the big belt. I'm getting Errol Spence. God damn it. Because I'm getting, because you and I talked about the Ugas fight, how it got away from you. How tough has it been just watching him, you know, beat Pacquiao and you going, crap, I should have had that fight. I should have beaten him and yeah. got Manny Pacquiao, damn it. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, I think it's been, yeah, it's been harder for my, my family and, like, my, my friends, you know, that uh, they'd be like, that should have been you, that should have been you, you know. But um, I, I'm, I try not to think about it like that, you know. Um, it's just motivating for me, you know, that, um, that I can be at the, in the same position as well. In the future, you know, it's just it's gotta wait my turn and and yeah. Do you want to go up against Manny? <laughs> nah, that would have that would have been a dream come true, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, I he's retired now. But um, there's there's other big fights that I can that I can hopefully get in the future as well. Well, absolutely. But what's interesting too, what I found about boxing is that sometimes people do come out of retirement, so you never know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if that if that fight would have presented itself, man, that that would that would be a dream come true for me. And I would take that fight in a heartbeat. <laughs> so let's let's go back to Josito Lopez because this is the fight you're taking on February fifth. It's on pay per view. We've written off Lopez. Then when I say we, I mean the media several times. And we think, okay, he's done. He's lost to Canelo. He's going to retire. No, nope, he he goes in a bit of a fight win streak. Oh, he's lost to Andre Berto. He's done. Nope, he gets on another win streak here. Oh, he lost on Keith Thurman. He'll ride off in the sunset. He has a nice paycheck. Nope, he's like, you know, in that movie, the long kiss, good night, Samuel Jackson. Yes, you motherfuckers, you can't kill me right now. I'm invincible. He's back once again. <laughs> what makes him so good? I mean, you and your team have studied him. You've broken down tape. You know him probably because you guys have run the same circles in the PBC. Like, what is it about Josito Lopez that even though you count him out, he still is around. He's still beating good fighters, and he still is a pain in the ass in the ring. Yeah, man, you said it. I mean, he's just—I think he's just a natural, tough, tough guy, man. Um, you can you can see it in the way he fights. You know, he he's just a tough guy, man, all around. He he has that Mexican spirit, man, that warrior, and and um, you can see it in his fights and. We we definitely are are looking at that. You know, we're not taking him lightly at all, and um, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be ready for for whatever he brings. I think that's great. I mean, you have to be ready for whatever he brings, right? You have to be mentally prepared. I mean, because what's the other yeah. option, honestly? <laughs> when yeah, you exactly. Look at it, what, what, what's the other option? Not to be prepared yeah. and not win yeah. because uh, who doesn't want to win? Yeah, exactly, and uh, that, I think, that's um, really what it comes down to. Yeah, and some fighters, you and know, they they overlook an opponent. They think he's done, and they don't really, you know, go out there and put the work in. And I think that's where they make mistakes. You know, that's interesting. Not putting the work in. What do you consider not putting the work in? Because I know a lot of fighters, like when we're interviewing them and they talk, you hear it in their voice. You know, it's every day being there, mentally prepared, in and out. 
when you're off season, on season, it doesn't matter if it's COVID, it doesn't matter if you're not in the stands, it doesn't matter if nobody is in the stands. You keep training, training hard, because you never know when that day is going to come. And I think that's how yeah. you have to look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good mentality to have. Um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm that way, exactly the same way, you know, I every fight I take, I take it like it's my last fight and my biggest opportunity. And that's how I've been, I've been doing it all of my boxing career. How do you develop it? Because I'm I'm curious because as you said before, you know, Jose Lopez is, you know, he, he's, he's more than the sum of his parts. So we saw that with his fights against Victor Ortiz. He's getting his ass whooped. And yet, even though he's getting pillared, he outworks, he breaks, Ortiz draw Ortiz stops against Brian Perella. Perella's beating the crap out of you for most of 10 rounds. You're not feeling good. We even talked about that. You're the one going, all right, 10th round. I got, I got to suck it up, buttercup. Get, take care of this. And you're the one who gets the knockout. How do you develop a, that junkyard dog mentality when you can't, you can't fake it in, in sparring. You can't, you know, prepare for it. Something. I mean, how do you just learn how to dig deep and go, okay, Everything sucks. The whole day has been terrible, but I still going to win this fight because, David, there's two minutes left in this round, and I'm going to do it no matter what. How do you develop that? Yeah, man, I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to, how to, you know, develop that. I think um, comes more natural, I believe. You know, um, there's just some fighters that never give up, and I think um, I'm just one of them, one of them, and I think Josecito has that too. You know, you against the Ortiz he showed it and um I think there's I don't know if it's a way to develop that I think you're just born with it no that's an interesting con like that really is an interesting concept either you're born with it or you can't develop it so you think that that's not possible I mean, I, I just, I just don't see it, see a way, you know, because I, I don't, I don't feel like I, I've trained myself to do that, you know. I just, I don't know. I think it's just probably just more mental, you know, than, than anything. You know, the, but you have it in the, you, and you want it bad enough, so it's automatically like you live and breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's what you guys have that that's similar in your mentality is that you live and breathe it. Yeah. It's not just a hobby or something of a side thing. You want it. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got Abel Ramos here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, training. We're talking junkyard dog mentality. We're talking Josito Lopez. I want to talk about a point that you faced, and both you guys now have gone different directions. That's Ivan Baranchuk, and he's now possibly re- might be retired because he's taking too much punishment. You're still going strong. I mean, we ever since that fight, you've been well, – we've only lost two fights. You've won 10. You're going up against Jose De Lopez. Do you ever look and go, I should have done 147 sooner? And are you surprised that Ivan ended up retiring you know, before you? Because most people thought, hey, he's going to be this big stud after he beat you. And all of a sudden, it's been – he's taken a lot of punishment. He's got sort of just put through the ringer. And you're now knocking on the door to – Possibly another title shot. Yeah, man. Um, it's. I think. I think just because of his style, you know, he's he's always been like a. He's always gone gone forward and just that that, his boxing style has always 
war. You know, every little fight he had, he was going to war. So I think um, that took a that took some effect in that in his, in his um body and everything in him. Yeah, for me, you know, I just you know I worked on a lot of things ever since that fight and like moving up in weight. I think that's that was the best um thing for me at the time. Because I remember that fight um, with Baranchik at 140, I struggled so much to make the weight, and I just didn't feel healthy at the fight during fighting. So I think, yeah, the move to 147 was the right call. I think that's good. Here's another question for you. And I think probably fans think this a lot, especially fans who love the sport, you know, and love you and follow your career. They're probably wondering sometimes, just sometimes the simple things. What sometimes goes through your mind when you hop in that ring? Some like the first thoughts that go through your mind. Um, I think um, going up, going to walk into the ring, you always feel a little nervous, you know, just a little. It's a little nervous, but excitement as well. But I think once the bell rings, that's that's when I feel like I just get focused. You know, I just feel like I'm. I'm back at the gym and just ready to work on the the game plan, and yeah, that's I think that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind as soon as the bell rings. It's just just like another day at the gym. Really, because you know you figure sometimes yeah. like with that adrenaline pumping, or sometimes you know people psych themselves out. You know, because people do different things to pump themselves up, or sometimes maybe they have that state of mind that's completely calm. So it's always interesting to know depending upon the fighter, you know, what goes through your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like to, I like to stay calm. You know, I like to stay calm, not, not, not have too much adrenaline because, you know, that's when, that's when you can make a mistake. You know, you're, you're overexcited and you're not paying attention to your technique or to, to, to leaving yourself open for a counter punch. So I like to just stay calm and just um try to, try to just do what whatever we worked on the game plan and and that's it well there you have it folks that is some interesting insight into the mind of a uh, a fighter i love it i love it i'm trying to understand what goes through guys' mind i think it's fantastic yeah i'm sure other fighters have other other routines and other stuff but um i've I feel that that's worked for me better just to stay calm and not, not get too overexcited. Well, obviously it works for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of excited, how happy and were you, excited were you after the Figaro win? Because that was always the one thing that you had didn't have. Like, yeah, you had nice wins, but it were either prospects or guys who were in that mid-level. And, and Figueroa, most people thought, hey, this is a fight, you know, he could possibly win. This is a guy who was a former world champion. This is a guy who was still somewhat of a, a guy. Yep, you only lost to Ugas. You went out there, you took care of business. You forced him to stop in his corner, you got his knockout win. How big was that for you? And how much did you enjoy that, having that, you know, signature win now where you can go, yep, I beat a former world champion. Yes, I beat somebody who was top 10. And yes. I belong in this damn division. Yeah, man, it was very, very exciting for me and my team, you know, and during the whole camp for training, you know, we were, I was just feeling different, you know, just my mentality was like spot on. My, my, my training was spot on. So 
we we prepared for that. We prepared for for to stop, you know, Figueroa. And um, so when when it when I finally got the win and the stoppage, yeah, it was it was very exciting. I was just happy and saw the the fruits of my labor. So it was a, it was a good moment for me and my team. How much of it went also mean in terms of it was all Latino pay-per-view for a PBC card. For years, PBC was known as, hey, it's a lot of African-American fighters, not many Hispanics. You, if that was sort of for you, it, and a bit of everything. It was Chris Ariola, who was part of the old generation. Andy Ruiz, you know, and yourself, a current generation. You have Arislandi Lara, same thing. If any of these young kids, the guys like Eduardo Ramirez, guys like Sebastian Fundor, guys like Jesus, Alejandro Ramos, they're all part of us here. It was a family affair. How much did you enjoy that whole moment afterwards where it's like, yeah, we made history here. Hey, this is the start of something big. We built something here. We're bringing in a new generation with us and showing, hey, this is the PBC is more than just African-American fighters. It is a premier boxing organization with all different kind of flavors. Yeah, and yeah, the I really enjoyed everything, man, from the promos because um, you know, they had the Fox crew um come over to Castagram and follow me around for a couple of days, and that was my first time ever doing something like that. So it was very exciting, and we got to show um, we got to show the world of the boxing fans what what we go through the through training camp and a little bit of my family what we do, and um, how we um we still have a lot of uh of our you know Mexican traditions you know we, we do a lot of stuff that um my, my parents um taught us since we were, since we were small so yeah I think the build-up was great just to show show the the boxing fans that um PBC has a lot of good um Mexican fighters and um it was a I think that that was one of the best the best moments in my in my career you know having my nephew fight in that in that same card and then my whole family was in attendance. It was, you know, they they had um, they had a big big crowd. You know, it wasn't in a bubble or anything like that. So yeah, it was it was a very very exciting and important moment for for my career. When did you get to when did you get to relax though? Because I've talked with both you and Jose and Jesus, <clears throat> and both you guys get nervous when the other guy's fighting. So when you were fighting out, and Jesus is going, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, don't don't let anything bad happen here. Don't screw. Raf, don't screw this up. I'm thinking you thought the same thing when he's fighting. Have like, okay, don't get cut. Don't do anything stupid. You know, don't... when did everybody get to this relieving? Okay, yes, now we can. Now we can enjoy everything because the whole family gets nervous. I'm guessing when one of you guys are fighting, and your brother's probably on pins and needles because he's in the middle of his whole shindig. Yeah, he's in the middle of everything. He uh, he had a warm up. Um, Jesus Junior, and then he got to come back and wore me up and um I think it was more a little bit more uh, nerve-wracking for for my brother than than for the fighters you know fighters usually just I, I try to just stay relaxed and um and um when when my nephew was fighting I was I was looking at the screen but then I would go and shadow box a little bit just to calm myself down and not not get too over excited or nervous so um I figured out a way to do it now but I think my brother probably had the, the roughest time that night. It all comes down once again, February 5th. It's 
Thurman versus Barrios. It's Jose Ito Lopez versus Abel Ramos. That fight right there is just money. You know it's going to be action-packed. You know it's going to be, you know, fight of a night. People will be talking about it. Highlights are galore. You win, possibly a Keith Thurman fight. Maybe, dare I even say, Danny Garcia. You know, it, it, it's, you, there's all these, you know, possibilities here for you. You still get to get by Jose De Lopez. And you and I have talked about it. We keep writing them off. We keep saying, I got retired. Then he keeps going, well, screw you. And I'm going to have a, fight, a couple fight win streak and make everybody here just regret it. So how big is it to not look past them? I know we we say, you know, you said all the right things. and But it's very easy because you can think, oh, well, I've beaten Berto. I, I could beat Berto. Berto beat him. I'll do this. And yet, as you know, he is that, you know, junkyard dog who you could probably, you know, shoot, stab, and probably drown. He still, he'll still come to fight. All 12 rounds and just keep throwing punches to the referee and says, stop. Yeah, man, it's a super important for me to, you know, be focused and be the best that I can be that night, you know, because I, I need to get this win. I need it, you know, for, for my career to, to keep on going forward and get the bigger names in the World Service Division. And um, and I know that, you know, that's that's the thing that I'm, I'm aware of that. So that's why I'm training extra hard for this fight you know i'm we're going to vegas for to get some training get you no know, get focused get concentrated and you know i'm gonna be ready i'm gonna be ready for for um february 5th very heavily gentlemen once again we're proud to have on the show i give you the pride and joy of arizona himself i give you it's abel ramos uh, abel before i let you go where can fans check you out at where is the twitter page instagram the website where can fans hit you up at yeah, on Facebook, um, it's just Abel Ramos. And then on Instagram, Abel Ramos Boxing. Um, yeah, stay tuned and for other updates and training videos and everything. Abel Ramos, ladies and gentlemen, once again, always not a pleasure having on the show. We come back. We got a lot more going on here. Only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol. Only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. back everyone to its last call last call with the alcohol only on blue wire hustle network i want to thank my wonderful guest for this week's uh show earlier we are we had mark mcsile who'll be fighting once again it'll be only on showtime be pbc on showtime it's gonna be russell versus mcsile should be an interesting fight i look give credit to mark mcsile he's taking this fight he's not afraid of russell him and his team are 
I think prepared for everything, and no matter what, I think if you're Gary Russell Jr., you should be you should be expecting a hard fought fight. You know, this is something that either way, you know that Meg Sai is going to come out swinging. I'm looking forward to that fight. Plus, we had of course Abel Ramos will be fighting on a big February fifth uh, pay per view. It's going to be Barrios versus Thurman. It'll be uh, also the ever tough. Abel Ramos in action against the Josito Lopez. That is just fireworks itself. Don't no, no I don't even I don't care who wins. That fight is going to be just rock em, sock em action. Somebody's getting knocked out. I'm looking forward to that fight. And always always great talking with Abel Ramos with my co-host Kaska Kashova. Great talking with her. Let's talk about the end of the year wrap up. And it was for MMA. It was a bit of a weird year. You know, the UFC did great numbers. And, you know, kudos to them, you know, even with the pandemic, you know, looming and other sports getting, you know, having to change. The UFC kept on churning along. I credit the fighters for that because they just made it work. You also saw a lot of stuff the UFC needs to fix. And I keep harping on this. Like, it's a bad, you know, just habit for UFC, but it's worse than that. They got to pay the fighters. It, you know, when you have fighters going going on, on there after a fight, on the pressers, on the interviews, and begging for money, begging for table scraps, begging for, I don't know how far, how much we can say. I mean, it's, it's just heartbreaking listening to some of these guys and girls who are saying, look, Dana, throw me an extra 50K. I, I'm homeless. Dana, throw me, you know, extra 25K. Yeah, my. My house is on foreclosure. Dana, you know, throw me some extra money. It's like, you expect, you know, UFC likes to tell themselves, hey, we are, you know, one of the big four major sports. Well, if that's the case, and pay them like they are, you know, part of the big four major sports. And that's 50-50 revenue sharing. That's, you know, more than just 15%. And I feel bad for the fighters because the fan, a lot of these fans don't get it. It's almost like they want to be, friends with Dana. They just want to suck up to Dana White, and they keep crapping on these fighters. You try that, Ben. You try fighting for a job where you basically are putting your life on the line. You're not taken care of. There is no insurance much. And if they get injured during a fight, you'll still cover their medical costs. That doesn't say anything about their training camps. Doesn't say anything about, you know, the road leading up to a training camp. No, you're you're screwed. It doesn't, you know, you look at what the fighters go through in terms of what they physically are putting their bodies for. How they can't really have sponsors, you know, they can't wear their sponsors during fight week or during fight night, you know, because, hey, UFC has, you know, the lockdown on that. I don't care who you are. Any other athlete, any other, any other entertainer, they get much more than what a UFC fighter gets. And until that until that gets fixed, it's going to be just not only a black eye for UFC, but, you know, it's going to chase away a lot of younger talent. Because if you're... Look at Gable Stevenson. He probably looked at the UFC and went, No, pass. I have, you, I have WWE who's chasing me. I have Bellator who's chasing me. I get other offers here. No, pass. So you're not going to get these elite-level guys to get into MMA as much. Why? Why should they? Why, why would 
if you're an elite level athlete and you can do any other sport, why the hell would you do MMA when you got to deal with Dana White and that whole group and who just will try to pay you slave wages almost? But that's a whole story. That, that'll be a story for 2022 going forward. Another story is the continuing fall of John Jones and Conor McGregor. Look at those two. They should be happy. They have everything. They have titles. They're making very, 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 very good money. They literally should just, all they need to do is friggin' behave. Just behave like an adult. I'm not even talking, you know, being on your best manner, being Mr., you know, uh, P's and Q's, just friggin' behave. And you keep wondering, will this be the year that both Mexico go to jail? I mean, we ended the year with John Jones almost going to jail, and then his wife recanted after she got crap kicked out of her. And John, you know, was fortunate that he only got nothing, a slap on the wrist and uh, probation, but he got kicked out of his gym, still hasn't learned anything. He's been vilified and shunned by almost everybody in MMA, still hasn't learned anything. He even had his own kids come out and say, yeah, I think it's time for you to call the cops when you have a recording of him beating his wife and he hasn't learned anything. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe this might be the year but we eventually get have John Jones cup on the UFC because, hey, UFC, ex-UFC champion arrested for murder, details at 11, and then you see John Jones. Maybe it's, and you, people can say I'm, I'm talking hyperball, but Go to Hollywood, you know, go to the betting lines and ask, you know, who's going to self-destruct even more this year? Conor McGregor, who assaulted an Italian DJ? Or John Jones, who keeps getting into more domestic violence problems or more problems with the law? I mean, both of them, it's neck and neck. And you look at them, you go, you have everything. You literally have everything. How can you screw this up? How can you little bastards screw this up? And they're finding ways to do it. It's going to be, as I said, hopefully 2022 leads to better things. Hope it leads to the UFC getting a clue and either getting tough with guys like John Jones and Kyle McGregor or cutting cutting their losses. Hopefully it leads to UFC paying its fighters. I'm hopeful. Do I expect it to happen? Probably not. But, hey, I'm hopeful. I'm trying to be hopeful this year. But, I don't know. we got to wrap this up. So, once again, for my wonderful guest, for Abel Ramos, for Mark Maxayo, this is Chris Carr saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action coming up only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.